Blog Talk Radio. Glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hello, Susan. How are you this evening? I am doing well. As a matter of fact, my heart is just so full. I got a letter from Gina Bono. I don't know if you remember Gina Bono, but Gina Bono is the apprentice who burned the barn down. Oh, yeah. And we all remember remember the barn burning down. And it was a wonderful letter. She's been in touch. She's been in touch with me. It was three years ago, and she's been in touch with me. And this letter included a beautiful, small blanket that she knit. 
And she said that she started knitting this blanket soon after the disaster, and she's been working on it for three years, and that she was finally able to finish it, and that she was gifting it to me. And she included with her letter some flyers for her weed walks. She's moved up to Alaska. She's working in a big organic farm up in Alaska. And she said, oh, endless amounts of weeds. And so she was taking people mm-hmm. on weed walks. And the reason that my heart is so full is because I feel really successful. Because you remember that one of the main things that I talk about during everybody's apprenticeship is no blame, no shame, no guilt. Mm-hmm. And certainly this is a place where blame and shame and guilt could have crept in. And to see that this relationship between Gina and I has remained intact and loving and that she and I care for each other says to me, we have been successful in stepping outside of blame and shame and guilt. Hooray. Hmm makes me feel really, really delicious. Also, Justine asked me to talk about a course, a new video course that we had. It's not that new. It's been up for a few months at teachable.com, and it's called Easy Herbal Medicine and Natural Remedies in Less Than 30 Minutes Per Week. And these are short videos and audios that you receive each week, which total less than 30 minutes, which is a fast and easy way to incorporate herbal medicine into your life. You can try it out for one month for $12. You can subscribe for the whole year for $99. Every week, there's a virtual weed walk, plus short videos and audios, and this makes it so easy for you to start really grasping herbal medicine. Where can you find this? Find this at www.wisemanschool.com. And when you go there, you will see Easy Herbal Medicine as well as my other video courses. And we are also very, very pleased that people are really liking the video courses. What can I say? My daughter is brilliant. She's a genius. You remember, oh, I guess it was four years ago that she said, you know, well, it's time for an update. And I said, am I supposed to dye my hair, get a facelift? What are we talking about here? And she said, no, no, we're going to do video courses instead of written courses. And so every year we have done a, uh, a video course. And then in addition to the ones that I've been doing, she, with the help of a wise woman team, has put together Easy Herbal Medicine. Check out www.wisewomanschool.com. And mm-hmm. I think I'm on. I think I'm on the right week this week with Sister Dandelion, who yes. is the who is the co-founder of the Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft. It reminds me a lot of the first church that I created, which was um, the Church of the Mysterious Elation, which is C O M E, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we will be talking with her at nine o'clock. And I really look forward to that. What's been up with you this week? Um, it's we got a lot of sun here this week, and so I've been um, 
out in the forest doing some hiking and like uh, yesterday I just there was a bunch of dug fir branches that had come down so I uh, I've been making some videos as well and I can tell you that it's not as easy as it looks <laughs> and just uh, posting some like little things on like Instagram and stuff like that but yeah I mean I have so much uh, respect for what you and Justine do because y'all make it look so easy and and uh, really professional <laughs> and it's hard to do that. Um, yes, but yeah, it's I've been putting... true. I I put a lot of time into creating the storyboard and getting things together, so that when you get that little, you know, two or three minute video, there you can really feel the the amount of time that's behind it that you're not seeing. But that's what it's supposed to be. That most of the iceberg is invisible. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been uh and like today I I was in the forest just for a little bit and I got some nettles and I made just a little bit of nettle soup and you know everything's like bursting oh! right now so really exciting. <laughs> After a long winter it feels like this has been very, you know, isolating kind of so we had some snow this weekend. And, you know, I love snowdrops, and so I planted a lot of snowdrops, and they really proliferate. And it was just the most exquisite thing to see this light little snow on the ground and all of the snowdrops twinkling and smiling above it. Mm, Yeah, so pretty. If you haven't planted snowdrops and you live someplace where you'll be next spring, plant some snowdrops this fall. You won't regret it, regret it, and even if you leave, the people who come after you will say thank you for planting those snowdrops. I will plant some. Yeah, I got some. Oh, and I got some uh, plants in the mail from Strictly Medicinal Seeds because um, they just sent out their their uh, dormant plants, and so that's really exciting. And planning on starting some herb seeds and like starting my new garden this year. So just getting in gear for all that kind of stuff too. Oh, I spent some wonderful time with Robin Rose Bennett. I think she was apprentice number six or seven. We're still really close. And, of course, she's the author of a couple of wonderful books. And she just finished a novel. So we have a novel coming from her soon. Oh, my gosh. It was really, really special to check in with her and to spend some time and to to walk around and just be together very Oh, you know, I, I love relationships, and I love long relationships, and knowing people over many, many years, it's really, really sweet. And Yvette, who you've heard me talk about, um, who decided a few years ago to keep chickens, and I said, don't keep chickens. I said, whatever you do, don't keep chickens. And she said, why not? I said, because nature loves to eat chicken. <laughs> and after her first mm-hmm. chicken, she said, she said, if I hadn't kept chickens, I wouldn't have seen the bear in the chicken coop. I wouldn't have seen an eagle swoop down and take my chickens. I wouldn't have seen the fox. I wouldn't have seen. <laughs> I know they she, they do attract a lot of wildlife. It's it's pretty they cool. They really at the same attract time. the wildlife. So she just got some new baby chicks because I think she's down to like one chicken and a couple of guinea fowl hmm. and two ducks. So she gets to re-up every year. And she's starting to understand why I say if you're going to keep birds at all, keep a hundred. That way you don't notice so much when they when they're eaten. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to also say, um, speaking of long relationships, because I was at this 
women's circle a couple of weeks ago and this one woman was talking about uh, Sherry Winston and like her work. And I was like, Oh, I met her at Susan's place so many years ago and like did this workshop with her. And then we talked about all the things I learned from her. And then I was like, Oh yeah, we're having a teleseminar coming up with Sherry. So that's coming up on Monday evening for I, the listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a fun ethnicity. Yes. We'll be yeah. talking about women anatomy of arousal and that's exactly what the what we were talking about in the women's circle so <laughs> all right celebrating mm-hmm. 35 years of apprentices oh my gosh how amazing you know i i have been working on um doing e- information for the easings and this month has just been so taken up with all of this other stuff. And so I really want to thank Kim for jumping in and doing great easings while, you know, while I email her and say, sorry, I haven't done it yet this week. Sorry, I haven't done it yet. But I, it's, not, it's not over. I will get back to it. And uh, for those who are nearby enough, speaking of walking in the woods, um, there are classes coming up the end of April at the Wise Woman Center, and one of those first classes is going to be a walk out in the woods to see all the spring ephemerals, those plants and flowers that only bloom for a day or two very early in the spring. We'll go out and tiptoe around and see what we can find. Pointless to go out now. We really need to wait until the eighth end of April, as well as a class on spring tonics. And uh, we'll bite some birch buds and uh, go out and uh, talk about uh, leek, wild leek stories. Why do, why do uh, uh, leek eaters make stinking lovers? <laughs> Anybody who's eaten leeks knows the answer to that. And we're not talking the leeks you buy in the grocery store. We're talking the wild ones, the ramps. Yes, they so, are very, yeah, sulfur-inducing. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. What, one of the things I do when we go to the leak patch is to have everybody take a bite and then breathe on each other. And I say, no need to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You, you both smell the same. So, <laughs> Yeah, it is great to have all the green bursting back in us. And I also just want to say how moved I am um, that the trees throw their branches down for us. It's such a wonderful yeah. gift. It, it, it's just oh, yeah. So, you know, wow. <laughs> This is such abundance in the in the natural world, and uh, what a delight that uh, we can make use of it and make use of it for our families and our friends and for the greater community. Oh, and one more exciting kind of half piece of information that Robin Rose told me. I didn't pin her down on the details, but she said that there are a couple of women here in New York City who've just started a new clinic, and they say that it's based on my work. They said, you know, that they looked at what integrative medicine was and they realized, oh, it's not really integrated. And so their women's health clinic is really integrated. And uh, that brings a big smile to my face and my heart. So that sounds really interesting. I want to, well, you'll have to share the name of it if you. um... Well, as I said, you know, it's a partial piece of information. I don't know where it is, what the name is, you know. Uh, I always say, gosh, Susan, you're the worst, world's worst gossip. You don't get any of the important facts. <laughs> well, I would love to have him on the show so we could talk to him. <laughs> but hey, um, that would be idea. cool. I'll pin her I'll down. see if I can. Okay. <laughs> and um, and one more thing I want to – I've just been – 
experimenting with uh, singing bowls as well. Have you been? Do you have you ever been to like a sound healing with singing bowls, Susan? Oh yes. Are you kidding? I live in Woodstock. Come on, we've been doing that for fifty years. I know. I'm just. I'm curious. I was curious, <laughs> but yeah, I I, uh, I invested I, in a few, and I'm really incorporating right. them into my practice of, and I, metal, and I love metal them. Metal metal ones or glass ones. I have one Tibetan metal one that's a very low frequency that's tuned to a C, which is very is really a nice uh, one. And then um, I have some some quartz infused, um, a few of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where was it? I think it was in Australia at a conference, and I walked into the room where this woman, you know, was doing a workshop on singing bowls, and she had about. 50 quartz-infused singing mm-hmm. bowls in every possible color you could think of. Yeah, yeah. I went to one of those here in Eugene, and this woman had, I mean, she had, like, ones that had 24-karat gold infused in them and, like, you know, every kind of different crystal infused in them, and they were so beautiful, and that's kind of what sparked me because I was like, oh, my God, it was just so amazing. So, Yeah. <laughs> When I got my first one, um, which I think was about 40 years ago, and it was from Tibet and brought to me from somebody who w- was in Tibet, and the lore was that those metal singing bowls are composed of seven different metals, each of which vibrates within each of the seven chakras. Mm, yeah, they, yeah. They I say that the glass ones, right? That the glass ones don't do that. So if you can only get one, start with the metal one because it does everything, and that, and that's one of the reasons why people have so many of the glass ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. And you. You've heard me talk about Susie Mazzoli, our family homeopath and energy worker, and she does a lot of work and actually has an album out with her work with the singing bowls. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the energy work. It's M-E-S-Z-O-L-Y, Susie Mazzoli. Mm-hmm. Very attuned being quite quite magical. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, we do have quite a few people on the line right now. And if you have a question for Susan, make sure to press one to ask her. And we can – are you ready to start, Susan? I'm ready. All right. The first caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hi. Good evening, Susan. I want to thank you for such a wonderful program that you do. I wanted to ask you a question regarding something I've been experiencing the past two days. So for, you know, certain circumstantial reasons, I was holding in from urinating from going to the bathroom because I didn't, I was in an area where I had to, um, traveling and I've been experiencing discomfort. I'm not that good with anatomy, but it's kind of, I'm not sure if it's like the urinary tract area, but it's kind of going on an angle from like under the ribs down, um, kind of down there. And I was wondering what 
if it like how would I differentiate if it's like a bladder infection or urinary tract infection and what would be something I could consider taking for it? Most of the time, and this changes somewhat as we age, but most of the time, if you have a urinary tract infection, you know, because it hurts to urinate, it stings, it burns, you have to go, and then when you go, there's nothing really to come out, or so it's, you can really tell that something is like, whoa, not Right. As we age, those symptoms tend to get less, and you can actually, as you get past 65 into your 70s, you can actually have a urinary tract infection with very minor symptoms, but your voice doesn't sound that old. And especially that you're having discomfort up under the rib cage makes me think that maybe it's something more to do with your intestines. Is the pain localized or does it move around? Um, it's it's kind of it's localized, but when I go to urinate, then that's when it moves down, and I do like it, it doesn't flow, like it is inhibited. So that's what I'm wondering what it could be. But there's no burning sensation. I don't have that. So let's say right now that you probably mm-hmm. don't have an active bacterial infection. My first choice anytime there's disturbance to okay. the urinary tract is corn silk. Corn silk already? Yeah, and corn silk is just such a lovely soother. If for any reason you don't have access to corn silk and you can't weigh out an ounce of it, corn silk is very, very light. So I just say, you know, I actually dry my own corn silk from the organic corn that we get during the summer and I dry it in bunches of six and then I use six corn silks in my quart of water so you kind of have to estimate especially if you're getting it all cut up but if for some reason you don't have access to corn silk then your next best bet for soothing all of that area is marshmallow root and Robin Rose Bennett who I was just talking about sent me a picture of her out in her garden and she was harvesting marshmallow seeds to send to me so that I can grow it in my garden this year because it's a very beautiful and easy to grow garden plant so uh, marshmallow you weigh out an ounce of the root put it in your quart jar fill it to the top with boiling water or if you want to you can just infuse it in cold water overnight it's got a lot of mucilage in it and that mucilage is very soluble in the cold water so like the comfrey and the linden, uh, once you make the brew, you can re-brew it. And I like both the corn silk and the marshmallow, not just gulped down, but sipped. And if you want to, a little bit of honey is always lovely and ha- aids that demulcent soothing action. Holding your pee in doesn't cause a bladder infection or disruption. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, Every waitress will tell you that because waitresses learn to have, you know, cast iron bladders because they Mm -hmm. rarely get a chance to go during their shift. So, um, you you know, you learn when you do that, well, if I'm going to have to do that, I'm going to, like, drink a little less. I'm going to just, you know push myself a little bit more toward the side of dehydration, and then when I get the opportunity, then I'll start drinking more. 
and be able to let that go. And so that's the other thing most recommended whenever there's any difficulty in the urinary tract is drink more. Mm -hmm. If you drink more and you don't urinate more, then there might be a problem in the kidneys Mm -hmm. or in the tubes that connect the kidneys to the bladder. Mm -hmm. In a somewhat strange study, there was a new roller coaster opened, and it was one of those, oh, my gosh, you can hardly even look at it without stopping your breathing roller coasters with twists and turns and drops and so on. And people started reporting that when they rode on this roller coaster that they passed kidney stones. Wow. And so, yeah, so scientists actually, like, tested it out, and they said, wow, it's really true. If you ride in the last car of that kind of roller coaster and there's any little gravel that can be passed out of your kidneys, you will pass it. So the little gravel, tiny little kidney stones can be passed. However, if it's big enough, it can block tubes that leads to the bladder. And that becomes a huge problem because the kidneys don't really have nerve endings. You can't really feel what's going on there. And you can block the, the, the ureter and the kidney can die. Oh. So one good way to test that is to up the amount of fluids that you're doing and note whether or not that ups the amount of urination. If it does, you're in the clear, you don't have to worry about it, and you don't have to go on a roller coaster, although you could. <laughs> and, <laughs> and also, of course, if there is any bacteria going on there, then upping the amount of fluid will also literally help remove the bacteria from the bladder. Okay. I'll try that. And is tincture form good as well, or... Is taking the having the tincture tincture form of what of the marshmallow root or the no 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 infusion 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 okay that's what we I want, want sure. the demulcent quality right and we don't get okay. that in a tincture that demulcent quality is water soluble not alcohol soluble okay good to know right we're not trying to to deal with an infection here we're trying to soothe those irritated inflamed tissues so infusion okay and I'm okay. just wondering. Yeah, I'm just wondering, someone, you know, gifted me with a birch. I think it's a tincture form. I don't really, I'm not familiar with it. Is there anything that it's known for that as in benefits in any sort of way? I'm not sure, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what you're asking me. A tincture of birch what? Um, it was, I think, birch sap, maybe. I think birch sap, yeah. Birch sap. It wouldn't be a tincture of birch sap. Birch, like maple, produces copious amounts of sap. Birch, oh. unlike maple, cannot heal its wound. Mm-hmm. If you tap a birch, that birch is now dead. Oh, okay. So birch sap is like maple sap. It's the sap out of the birch. It's not a tincture. It's the actual mm-hmm. sap from the birch. In my spring tonics class, we bite birch buds. And I break off such twigs for us to do that. And we stand under the birch tree and we see where I've broken off those twigs. We see it dripping. And we stand there long enough to see a little wet spot form on the ground from the drip. Now, from a twig like that, because I haven't actually 
pierce the bark of the birch, that will heal. That's amazing. But you couldn't really collect a lot of sap from that. The birch sap is collected by tapping the birch. Tapping it, okay. Okay. And the the maple heals, if you tap a maple, it heals itself up so fast that if you don't get organic maple syrup, non-organic producers put a pellet of formaldehyde into the tap hole to keep it from healing. Oh. So that the sap continues to flow. You know, it used to be that you went out with your drill and you drilled a hole in the maple tree and you hammered in a little metal spigot and your metal bucket, your galvanized metal bucket hung off of that and you would go out in a big operation with your horses and your horse cart and you would gather all of that sap, you know, into big, usually they would use milk cans, interestingly enough, and then you take it back to your sugar house. I have a, a great picture burned in my memory of Helen Nearing driving the team of horses with, mm-hmm. with those cans, the, the, the maple sap. But nowadays in big commercial operations, they put a formaldehyde and then they stick a plastic tube in and the plastic tube runs to the sugar house. You are welcome. Dream blessings. Thanks. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you all tonight? How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Okay. Sorry, I was a little distracted for a moment. Um, okay, I have a question about um, I have been able to heal a lot of my digestive issues just by focusing on going to the bathroom when I need to and eating lots of vegetables and um, what else, drinking enough water, you know, just like those basic things. But okay. Okay. One thing that still troubles me at times is I just get, like, this intense bloating sometimes, like gas that won't won't come out. I wish it would. <laughs> but can be, like, most intense on, like, the very bottom, lower left part of my abdomen is where I can uh-huh. like, sometimes have pain. Um what I haven't actually explored that much is using herbs when I'm feeling that bloating. So I was uh-huh. wondering if you had any ideas. Yes. Any aromatic seed will be helpful. And by aromatic seeds, what I mean is fennel seed or caraway seed, or cumin seed, or coriander seed, or anise seed, those wonderful seeds that almost everybody already has in their cupboard. Take a teaspoon. Just make a tea? Okay. Just make a tea. Take a teaspoon, put it in a cup, pour boiling water over it, and presto, bingo, you are ready to go. This is um, a really classic remedy for women who are nursing and whose babies are having gas pain. 
And if women drink a aromatic seed tea, it increases the amount of their breast milk and settles baby's tummy. Hooray. Would, um, and is there anything like before? I've, I've not gotten into like using bitters. Would that be something like if I were to take like a bitter tincture, I have um, a yellow dock tincture, a lot of that. I made a lot of that. Um, like before give it a, eating? Give it, that... a, give it a try. It certainly wouldn't hurt. Okay. Usually, usually gas is created in the intestines because there are microorganisms in the intestines which are having a party. Yeah. Something, that, something that we have eaten for most people, you know, their classic examples are beans or things in the cabbage family. Those are really party foods for some of the gut bacteria. And they have a party and they get, you know, inebriated, let's say, and they create gas. And then that gas causes pressure, which causes pain for us. And the aromatic seeds kind of go down there and they say, the party's over. It's all over, my friends. <laughs> so the, the, the bitters increase the liver's ability to produce enzymes and things that help you digest food. And sometimes that will work. Uh, but the, the aromatic CT, I think, is, is more direct. Um, and that's partly because I like to see people eat beans. And I know, you know, what do they say in Maine? They say, beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. The more you toot, the better you feel. So eat your beans at every meal. <laughs> yeah, and I found that as long as I soak them a really, really long time, that we don't, my family doesn't end up too, too gassy. Um, exactly. And chuck a piece of kombu or wakame in there when you're soaking them. Okay. That'll help that. to retain, retain it when you drain them. Rinse them, retain that seaweed, and just cook the seaweed right into the beans. Okay. And that helps All with right. that too. It sure does. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you. That will be what I'll try this week. Okay. Thanks for your question. Thanks. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 336 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi there. Um, oh, it's really an honor to be talking to you. Um, first, I have just a little testimonial for the herbal infusions. I started taking them, or I started drinking them in September, and for the first time ever, I've had a regular menstrual cycle, and I'm getting a period every month, and it's like magical. <laughs> oh my gosh, how wonderful! Yeah, it's been truly incredible so thank you for that and red clover and <laughs> especially um i have a question about um an herb that i heard you talk about you know, many episodes ago um go to cola okay and, and i i got some of the dried herbs in hopes i could make an infusion with it but it was like 
really, really strong. Or it was just, it wasn't like crazy, but it was just really, it took me like three days to drink it. <laughs> I totally um, understand, and that's okay. Anytime that we're working, especially with a new herb, um, our bodies may say, I, I don't think I want a whole lot of that right now because I don't really understand it yet. Mm. And so just sipping it is an ideal way to go and or it's absolutely acceptable to um, add anything to your infusion after it's been infused. So if you've made your infusion and you're saying, whoa, this is, this is a little like over the top for me, then you could add honey to it. You could add, uh, you know, whiskey to it. I've seen people heat up the infusion and pour it over, um, you know, some um, fruity tea bag. Hmm. That's great. I didn't. I didn't think of try after the first time I made it. I was like, oh no, this is really terrible. Um, so maybe I'll try it again for a second time. Um, I did also. I know that you recommend making tinctures with fresh herb, but I went ahead and tried to. I just put it in a jar with some vodka to tincture it. I don't know if that's going to be useful or not. It will be useful. In fact, the vast majority of people make tinctures from dried plant material. What I find is that we lose what I call the spirit of the plant mm. when we do that. And I'm very involved with the spirit of the plant. I think it's a very important part of our remedies. And I understand that, of course, there are a great many people who don't have access to fresh plants to do that and that making tinctures from dried plants frees people up um, with the goal of um, finding ways to get your favorite plants fresh. Mm. So, so you do it as we might call it a stopgap measure, right? Mm-hmm. I I will use this dried plant until I can connect with uh, the actual fresh plant. And my experience, the feedback that I've gotten from most people is that once they do start working with the fresh plants. Uh, they ask themselves, how could you ever have used anything other than this? Because it is so obvious and different when you are doing that. Do you have anything to say about that, Rebecca? Using the fresh plants over the dried? Yeah, yeah. I I, I enjoy using the fresh plants more just because they're of the yeah the spiritual aspect of it of course and i think it just makes a more complex uh medicine when you're using fresh plants there are some that i use that are dried like i mean like echinacea you know like those roots and stuff like that that make a really good they still make a really potent medicine when they're when they're dried but an elderberry yeah 
because, yeah. because uh, you know, the birds really don't leave me any, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Greedy birds. <laughs> so so you'll find as you go along that there are some that you just say, yeah, you know, I'm probably mostly going to be using this this way. But still in all, if I have a student, and I do have a few, who live in the area where Echinacea augustifolia grows, I always see if I can finagle them into harvesting some <laughs> fresh, sending it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in that in that case, I guess my my other question would be: Are what what fresh plants? I live in the the Midwest, um, in Indiana. Um, I'm wondering what fresh plants that might grow near me could help with um, memory, because that's the main aspect of the go-to cola that I was I- interested in. Tell me, tell me what's going on with your memory. Um, I, I've been feeling for a while that I need to, um, that I'm just really forgetful and, um, I'm, I'm young. I'm only 27. Um, Mm -hmm. but I like have to be reminded of, like, I'm, I'm okay with remembering people's names and things like that. Um, Okay. Well, people's name, people's names is a whole other category of memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's mainly things. A whole other category. And, And you know, what I usually suggest is there's some really good books on memory out there, and they work. And here's a couple of hints. Uh, first of all, if you meet somebody and it's important to you to remember their name, then you have to make their name memorable. Well, I was saying I'm good at memorizing names. You're good at memorizing. All right. Yeah, it's like it's it's the things other than that. Like, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. I thought you were saying you were having a hard time with names. No, so I'm remembering um, things you're supposed to do. That's okay. I think it's mainly like things that people have told me, um, stories about, um, you know, my just like people who are close to me are constantly like reminding me of things that they've already told me. Um, things that I've read in books that I really enjoyed at the time and then later just can't even remember any of the plot. And, you know, even like long-term big pieces of my childhood and life kind of seem to be missing. And I get worried because my dad suffered from really early onset dementia um, and, and died at age 50 because of complications from that. I struggled for a long time, and I'm just, it freaks me out. (laughs) I hear you. You're worried that you are experiencing some early onset dementia. Let me tell you, not such a secret, and that is that if you get any siblings together, their recollections of what happened during their childhood are going to be from Mars and Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Oh, do you remember when we went there? We never went there. Oh, do you remember when we did this and how bad we how we had a really good time? I mean, really, like, just totally, like, did we do this together? Were we experiencing this together? No, you weren't. Mm. Because memory does not exist in the brain. There isn't any one place that we can find where there is memory. In fact, 
what we find is that their memory is widely distributed over the brain. And when we so-called remember something, we take a piece from here and a piece from there and a piece from the other place. And this is part of the magnificence of the human brain is that it's incredibly plastic and it has the ability to really change things. And I would say that more than memory problems, what you're experiencing, and it is a real problem, is fear that you're turning into your dad. <laughs> and that is a problem, but from what you're saying, I don't think that there's an actual memory problem here. I mean, I have so much stuff to do that I actually, you know, one of the wise women team is tasked reminding me of what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> And I don't think that's because I have a poor memory. If I read something and I want to remember it, I will read it to myself two or three times. Then I will read it out loud. Then I will talk to two or three people about it. And then I will go back and reread the article. Wow. That feels good. It feels good to hear that and like that. Sounds like it would really help me. <laughs> this exactly. repetition. And, you know, at the beginning of the show, Rebecca and I were talking about making videos. And, again, when I'm making videos, you usually don't see it, but I have a script. And Justine says, <laughs> okay, we're going to be talking about a strike list. And I say, okay, give me a moment. And I read my whole Astragalus script, and I say, okay, I'm ready to go. Wham, and then I'm ready to talk about astragalus and the things that I want to say right then about astragalus, not just like humming and hawing and trying to remember. Great. Yeah, it sounds like I can, um, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is like I can make an effort to learn more deeply. Exactly. One of the biggest memory contests is a contest about pie, and we're not talking apple pie here. We're talking about the irregular number pie, right? 1.34, da, da, da. Well, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And they had a big contest. I don't know if it's every year, every 10 years, um, where people rattle off all of the numbers, and it goes on endlessly of pie. And one of the ways they do it is that they take pieces of that number and they put it in various objects in rooms in a house. And when they want to remember, they walk into the house, they pick up the first object and there's those numbers, then the second object and there's those numbers and so on, so that you're not remembering the whole thing at once. I've also talked to performers who perform music where you think, how could they? How could they remember that? How could they possibly, you know, remember that whole piano concerto? And that's how they do it too. And they do it sometimes to help themselves. They will play the segments backwards. So they'll segmentize it and they'll play the last segment and then the segment before last and so on. And actors who have to memorize a lot of lines will do the same thing, especially because you can't depend on the other actor to give you your cue. They might forget their lines. They might say their lines wrong. And if you're waiting to hear 
you know, and it was a dark and stormy night. And the other and the other actor says, it was night and it was stormy and dark. <laughs> right? You better you better have your memory not tied to that cue. So everybody has memory challenges and we find various ways around them. And I think that you are asking yourself to do something wonderful, which is to have a better grasp of your memory. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susan. You're welcome. Green blessings. Uh, green blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 818 area code. Hello? Hello. How are you tonight? Hi, Susan. Great. Um, I just have a simple question. I love you just had just wonderful, complicated discussions. Can I just ask something really simple? Of course. <laughs> okay, so bitter melon. I found this wonderful bitter melon fruit in a Japanese market, and I'm going to do a tincture. My simple question is, do I keep the seeds in? Because I chopped it all up and made a tincture, and I left the seeds in. Was that okay? Should the seeds come out, or should the seeds stay in? That's a really good question. I have never used bitter melon because it doesn't grow around me. Well, this, I think, came in from Korea, and I, it's, I, little Tokyo has just wonderful, amazing burdock and weird, just all kinds of weird stuff, great fish. Really? Uh, and, and bitter melon oh. is a... It's a big thing. They use a lot of bitter melon. It's just, have you ever used bitter melon, Rebecca? No, it's not something that I've used. I think I only, the only reason I'm, I'm, I'm toying around this is because I think it's good to regulate your um, blood sugar a little bit. And I saw a bitter melon in this Korean market in downtown LA, and I just went, oh, let's just give this a whirl. And then so I cut it up and, <laughs> it's beautiful, it, but I don't like. I didn't want to eat it. I was going to eat it, and I and I looked up recipes. How do you cook? No, no, not cooking it. I think it makes would make a fantastic tincture. But my question is, do, the seeds are in it, and they're giant. They're like, um, they're very big. They're well, all the size of almonds. I think, the, I think the question is a little light because you okay. already put the you already put the seeds in it, right? Yes, yes, but that's okay because the seeds are already in it. Yes. So the next so, seeds or no seeds? Ask what the do you bitter think? melon. Ask the bitter melon. I think it needs the seeds. Say bitter melon. Do you are you better with your seeds or without your seeds? Please do tell. Yeah. Yes. I yeah? think it needs the seeds. Yeah. You know, I or so. you know, or find somebody who, you know, has used this and is familiar with it and ask them what they do. Um, it's, I know that it's a great plant and mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I know that, I know that it's used a huge amount. Um, I see it being sold a lot as something to help control weight. Hmm. 
And I was just happened to have uh, the Mountain Rose side up because I was about to order something, and I just see that they have bitter melon on here, and it says the seeds, leaves, and vines have been used in traditional Chinese medicine for centuries, but only the fruit is primarily used today. But it says that they sell the whole thing, and it looks like the seeds are in the dried herb that they sell as well. So, Oh, beautiful. Just a little. Yay, Rebecca, oh. thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank oh, you, Mountain wonderful. Rose. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, we love Mountain Rose. We love Mountain Rose. Okay, well, I just found this bitter melon in this Korean market and just went, okay, I love trying new things. So this is wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to do – I already did the tincture with the seeds. Then I'm going to go back Saturday and get – no, no, I'm going to keep the seeds in. I think that's the answer. I think so. I think I – Yeah, think, yeah, I, I think yeah. Between Mountain Rose and Rebecca and the plant, I think we're getting yay seeds. Yay, seeds. Yes, because I think there's something special in those. And if we tincture them, mm, I just feel, I have a good feeling about this. Okay, that was my only question. All righty. Green Green blessings. blessings. Thank you, Susan and Rebecca. Thank you so much. Good night. Okay, good night. night. Goodbye. The next caller is coming from the 209 area code. Hi. That's me. Hi. What fun we're having tonight. Join, join the fun. I, I know. I'm so excited. Um, anyway, I just wanted to give, ask a couple questions. Went on my first weed walk, and then I went out by my house, and I found a big patch of cleavers, and I was so excited. I identified my first herb, and so I made um, a tincture with it. And um, I was wondering if I want to make, there's enough to do some oil. What kind of olive oil am I supposed to buy? Does it matter? What kind of oil you use is completely up to you. Traditionally, herbalists use fat from animals. And I realized that we were really missing a very important aspect of herbalism in that we had stopped doing this when I was researching for the breast book and I came upon a formula from Hildegard of Bingen who was confronted with a woman who had a lump in her breast. Now, nowadays, we would say, uh-oh, lump in her breast, that could be breast cancer. But back in Hildegard's day, that wasn't anything that was really thought of in those terms. But Hildegard's recommendation was that she make an ointment with the belly fat of a young male goat. And okay. I thought, oh, my gosh the belly fat of a young male goat is going to be loaded with testosterone. Yeah. And many, right? And many breast cancers are estrogen positive breast cancers. And that right. means that that belly fat from that young male goat would counter those estrogenic factors. Because we now have more and more people raising animals in really wonderful ways, we now have access 
to these different facts so that we can make use of this old knowledge. Think about it. There's a layer of fat around the kidneys. What do the kidneys produce? On top of the kidneys are little glands called the adrenal glands. And the adrenal glands produce cortisol, also known as cortisone. So if we are uh-huh. using kidney, right, if we're using kidney fat, then we have a natural cortisone ointment. Nice. Right? So, right. Of course, of course, you can use any oil you want to. It's all good. But if you have access to actual animal fat, I must say, I think that's the best possible thing that we can use when we're making ointments. Other than that, olive oil almond oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, they're all really good. Coconut oil holds scent the longest of any oil. I've made uh-huh. like, a, you know, cedar tip oil or um, sweet annie oil or um, oil from a scented clover that grows around me, and olive oil. And the scent dissipates within six months. And I have coconut oil scents made by kumba or jasmine, sage, cedar, and the scents are still strong 10 years later. You mean the scent of the coconut or the scent of the herb? The scent of the herb. You don't smell the coconut. What you smell is the herb. Okay. Great. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, try a bunch of things. See what you like. Okay. Uh-huh. So I love my, um, I love my sink. John's oil I got from Rebecca, and it's, it's um, olive oil. Yeah. So. Okay. My next question is, uh, I've been listening to your old podcast. And on the CB, I'm wanting to get some CBD oil or tincture. And I, I've i heard you say, I remember you saying the CBD oil can't release the cannabinoid into our body like a tincture can. Or could you, like, explain uh, that again I, I, to me? I don't, think, I don't think I said that. Um, I'm trying okay. to think. I'm trying to think of what I said that you could have thought I said that, but the CBD pills right now are pretty easily available at almost any drugstore as well as online, and they are made from hemp, um, which is why they're available, Um, although hemp is cannabis. Somehow um, we've gotten the regulators to think it isn't. Um, and um, it's not—it's not like pressed from from the seeds. It's not, you know, it, it's not a pressed oil. It's an infused oil, and it is usually made from the flowering top of the plant. And okay. um, 
I have seen a huge variety of different products, all of which appear to work very well topically. Do you have anything to say about this? Rebecca, are you working with this? I know you live in a legal state. Yeah. Um, I've seen it's it's complicated because CBD, I mean, I've seen some of it work and it works initially and then people like somehow like build up an immunity to it and it stops working for them. And um, huh. yeah, it's, I mean, some of the infused, I, I make some infused oils and they seem to work pretty, pretty well. And then um, there's some CO2 extracted ones that some people like, but those are, I don't know. And I read a, I just read an article recently that you need to have like the full spectrum um, because there's different components other than the CBD, like CB1 and CBH that uh, are more active in parts of the body to reduce pain and than the CBD is. And so, and then they're also saying now that you need to have a little bit of THC in there to make it really effective. But I don't know. It's up for experimentation though. It's very, it can be complicated. I think, I think that you you just have to experiment and see what works for you. That's an okay. excellent answer. Thank you. <laughs> and I was yeah. talking about main, taking it orally. Like the tinct, like taking it or usually, like drop. usually the tincture is what's taken orally. Mm-hmm. And the oils are and that? the oils are used topically. They gave me an oil yeah, for my dog. There's a bunch of different extractions of it. So there's like um, uh, ISO, uh, um, how uh, the okay. ISO extraction that can be put into alcohol and then there's like an just an alcohol extraction but you get like way less of the cbd that way and that's why they extract into an oil like into co into the um the co2 extraction because you get more but then you're it's that's what that's what i think you were talking about when you were saying susan before that the when you CO2 extract it, that it can build up in your liver and it can be harmful, like taking too much of it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I want to really reiterate what Rebecca is saying is it's complicated and it's more complicated yeah. by, by the fact that um, it's not legal everywhere. Um, right. There and okay. it's an incredibly variable plant. I mean, incredibly right. variable. If you were to say, Susan, tell me about a dog, I would have mm-hmm. to say, what dog? Because there are so many kinds of dogs. Well, the same yeah. is true with okay. cannabis. There's okay. literally as much variation in cannabis plants as there are in dogs. Yeah. Okay. I understand okay. that. Yeah. So I think the real take-home point here is I doubt you're going to hurt yourself by experimenting. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. See, see what Isn't works it? for you. See what, you know, you okay. think is is the best thing. And call us back and let us know what you found out. Okay. All and right. Is there is there like a way... A, a good group 
that they exchanged oils with each other because I really didn't want to just do a random Facebook group. I want to, like, get a group that maybe uses your methods of making the tinctures or I know you have a Facebook group, but is there like a, you know how you said you can exchange, people find each other and they exchange exactly. what they I, have I growing? Don't, I don't have any specific information about that. It's a great question. Okay. And if you want to give people a way to contact you, um, that's certainly absolutely fine. If you want to say, hey, if you want to do this, contact me at and just, you know, let us know right now, and then anybody who's interested can do that. Okay. Well, I can give you my phone number. It's Julie. Well, not, I'm in hey, California. I'm not calling. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm not okay, calling. Well, I'm, just, you. I'm telling you that if you want to start such a group right here and now, that I'm I'm all for it. No problem uh, by me. Just, you know, just give people a way to get in touch with you and take it from there. Email, phone number, whatever you want to do. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Well, green blessings. Bye. Green green blessings. And you could also just pose that question onto the the Wise Woman um, Facebook page. Exactly. Oh, okay. That would be okay to do. I, I wasn't sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure that I'm that. sure that's be interested in there on exchanging medicine and stuff. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Because I've people. only found suggestions here where I live. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Uh huh. Bye bye. The next caller is coming from the nine five one area code. Hello. Hi, Susan. Hi, this is uh, Sylvia, and I'm calling because um, I have a question for you. <laughs> um, I'm 51 years old, and I've been experiencing a lot of what you call in your books um, flooding. And I'm sorry? So I have been. You're experiencing been, a lot of what? Flooding. Flooding, like bleeding. okay. Bleeding, yes. heavy bleeding. Yes. And so um, I've gone to the doctors uh, four years ago or five years ago. I went to the doctor and they diagnosed me with um, a benign polyps. And then um, they said there was nothing they could do, you know, that it would go away. So then I continued with my life and then I ran into your books and into your teachings. And I, I started, I purchased some uh, shepherd's purse. And I also um, took a tincture of burdock root, and I uh, ate I eat a, a whole liter of yogurt every week, <laughs> and um, tried almost. Uh, oh, and I'm doing the, the infusions, the five different infusions that you take. I take the nettle, the um, oat straw, linden flower. Um, what else? Comfrey. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. So, so I do all those, and I alternate, and um, and I'm starting to notice now, um, my periods are becoming more regular, and they're more predictable versus before when they would just randomly come, and then they would be here for a whole month, and then they would go away, and then they would 
you know, but every month I would have something going on. And so then recently I went back to the doctor about two months ago, and he said that I just had what, I, what, what is called excessive bleeding. They did ultrasounds, blood work. They said everything looked great, but I just have this excessive bleeding, and that's it. And Oh, and that they found a small cyst in one of my ovaries, very small, like a pin size of a pencil cyst. And so... Um, Oh, you know, that was that was something else that I forgot to mention. Success. Uh-huh. The American College of Gynecology just put out the word that the ovaries of healthy women should not be removed when there is a hysterectomy done. Oh, okay. No, I've never had that. Array for us. Yes. And those kinds of yes. tests can really wind you up in surgery so much faster than you think. So I always warn women away from those kinds of tests because you can right. lose your uterus so fast from those tests. Oh, yeah, tests. that's what they wanted to do. Ten years exactly. ago, they wanted to do that. I'm telling and you, wham, as soon as you get tested, they are so <laughs> eager to free yeah. you from your Let's uterus. Let's take it out, they said. And Let's I said, take it out. No. After all, you don't need it anymore. They no. say, excuse me, we need it. We want it. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. And so, yes, yes. so what I did is I got on a regimen of chase tree, which I now know because of you that it's it found also scientifically been proven to be very well, very good for women. Um, it helps with the penal gland. It helps with um, progesterone. The Vitex, I guess it's a short for chase tree or vice versa. Vitex agnus castus is a botanical name. Yes. And so that I've been taking for the also last known 10 as years. Monks, also known as monk's pepper. Yes. And, and I take that. chase because it was given to the monks to prevent them from having oh. sexual thoughts. Oh, God. Yeah, so that's helped me. Get... It seems to work the opposite in women, though, so be careful. Oh, yeah, I and know. It, and it, I know it, it's, just... it's not... Again, herbs don't actually cause the production of any one hormone. Herbs tend to be normalizing. Normalizing, yes. Yes. Normalizing. It's helped me a lot. The pineal pineal gland, of course, is, it's named the pineal because it's thought to look like a little pineapple. And it's a fascinating gland. Read up about the pineal. There's actually whole books written about about it. It's a very mystical Mm. gland. It's connected to the third eye. And there's some actually hard evidence that light that goes through the eye can actually strike the pineal gland directly. That it's the one part of the brain that actually is photosensitive. And so, yeah. So (laughs) we'll also find, if you're interested in the pineal, that working Uh with the sunlight, don't look at the sun, you'll burn your eyes. No. So it, the sun can get through your closed eyelids and into the pineal, um, oh, and okay. that can help. And I think that yeah. what you're doing is is wonderful. And mm-hmm. the other thing is that I I lived for a while with a woman who's a very heavy bleeder. Uh huh. Talking about a woman who would put in two tampons and then two pads and leave a trail of blood to the bathroom. Yeah. 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 But it's gotten better. It's not and that what bad. She, what she found, without a doubt, was that the more raw food she ate, the heavier she bled. 
<gasps> oh, no. Wow. Oh, yes. Okay, well, I've been cooking everything, like my soups for four hours minimum, the best kale soup I've ever okay, had. Okay, but, tasted but kale. fruit, fruit yeah. too. Fruit, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going to start okay. watching that then. The fruit. Yeah. So, so what? So really, really, really if that's true, if that's true for you, it may not be true for okay. everybody. But it was yeah. remarkably true for her, and because okay. her bleeding was tied to her menses, uh-huh. she she was able to control much of her heavy bleeding by avoiding eating anything raw in the few days Diet. leading up to her period. Oh, okay. A few days, make sure no raw. Yeah, and I've been loading up on some salad. Yeah. Even, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, what about um, what about taking shepherd's purse? I noticed that the tincture is not as powerful as the actual infusion. Um, should I be taking that when I'm bleeding? Is that okay? My sister, who was a midwife, She's not anymore. Um, what was very interested in seeing if Shepherd's Purse could actually prevent postpartum hemorrhage, and so she started giving it to women <laughs> yes. while they were in labor, and yes, she did that. not like the results that she got from that. Why? And. It, well, because she felt that it m- made a lot of very heavy cloths. Oh, yeah. I've noticed that. That's true. Afterwards, yeah. Yeah. So what should I do? That's so, like the so only what she, decide, what she decided was <laughs> that the best thing to do, and I agree with her, uh-huh. is to uh-huh. use Shepherd's Purse as needed. Oh, Okay. But then not, I, I try to use it because it controls the bleeding. It's not, it's not a preventative medicine is what she came to. So when I'm bleeding, I should just let myself bleed and maybe just take the Vitex during that time? The Vitex needs to be taken on a daily basis. Yeah, I take that regularly. But I'm just saying like regularly, when I'm bleeding, I right? And then every day. If, if you are, do you always bleed heavily? Yes. Well, the thing is, I not not so much heavily, but just like prolonged, like for ten days, or seven days, or eight days, but never less than eight days. And so it's not heavy during that time. No, it's like it's like almost like if it's not it's not flowing. It's just kind of like when I pee or go to the bathroom. So I notice that okay. It's I'm, more like a it's more like a drip than a flood. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's important. Okay. That it's more like a drip than a flood. In Europe, what they would mm-hmm. use specifically in that situation is ladies' mantle. I have it. Okay. I have that. Okay. Yay. Okay. I have the tincture. Should I get the infusion? You can try it and see what works best for you. Okay. Because All right. The tincture is primarily used in Europe. And it's a beautiful mm-hmm. plant. It's pretty easy to grow. It's like sandy soil. Okay. And it's alchemella, which it means the alchemical yeah. plant, because the alchemists use the dew that collected in those folded leaves. Yay, I'm so happy I have everything. I have, like, Susan Weed lives here. 
in my house. I have so many. Yeah, you. Yes, yes. It's your. I want to ask you. I want to ask you one more question. Let's compliment you as well. (laughs) Thank you. I want to ask you one more question. I have. I. What is your opinion on fasting? I am on two day fast right now. What is your opinion? I read some stuff on your online, but I really couldn't find, you know, anything concrete on how you feel about it. But I kind of get that you really don't lean towards that. So I don't know. Well, let me put it this way. The most important organ in our body is the liver. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that the liver is so important is that it Mm -hmm. does a lot of good stuff for us. The brain is also a very important organ. When we don't eat, the liver slows down its functioning. In fact, after not eating for 24 hours, the liver has lost a third of its capacity. Oh, my gosh. So if you are fasting because you think fasting is healthy, fasting is not in any way healthy. It is the opposite of healthy. (laughs) Similarly, the brain must eat. We don't really have a choice. The brain simply must eat. And if we don't eat, the brain still eats. And the brain breaks down muscle tissue in order to eat. And the first muscle tissue that the brain breaks down when we are fasting is your heart. Oh, gosh. So when we are fasting, we are literally eating our hearts. Oh, so it's not helping to cleanse our blood or anything there like that. There is nothing you can cleanse. Excuse me, you are not filthy. Who on <laughs> earth told you that you should cleanse? What a very, very heroic idea. Yeah, I don't I don't do detoxes or because of you or colonics. I stopped doing that because of you, but but I didn't and I didn't really know what you thought about fasting, but I I was thinking of of doing it because supposedly it lowers your blood sugar. It does. One of the very first experiments um, that I made when I was first interested in alternative ways of being was a watermelon fast, which I did with a friend of mine. Too bad she didn't realize she was diabetic. She's dead now. Yeah, I read that in your book. That's true. So, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was, so that was in your book. So once again, we got to say that fasting cannot ever promote health. That doesn't mean there aren't some times that we might not want to do it. Apparently, people who do chemotherapy and fast, the chemotherapy is more effective because of it. Oh, yeah, but that's different. That's somebody who's doing chemo. Exactly. 
we're not we're not talking about health here, right? We're talking about an extreme situation. Right, right. One of the one of the things that's been gaining popularity is um, what's being called the moderated fast, in which people limit the amount of time during the day that they eat. So they only eat between the hours of noon and nine, or they only okay, yeah. eat right between the hours of X and Y. And right. the the science behind that um, is coming up pretty empty-handed. Oh, wow. That even that um, is, not is, is, is not long-term sustainable or good. Okay. Again, your brain needs to eat mm-hmm. all the time. You do not have a choice in that. Or it starts eating my heart? It starts eating your muscle tissue, and the heart is the easiest <laughs> part for it to break down, right? So, yeah. you know, you if you hold hands with somebody who fasts a lot, their hand is cold, and that means they're dying from the periphery in. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. true. That's true. Their hands are yeah. cold. When they... Their okay. hands are cold, wow. and that, that is not a system of good health, is it? No, no. And I, I totally have completely changed my life with your infusion. So I know that. You know what So that's what I say to I, people. You know, if yeah. there's a point at which you don't want to eat a meal, drink a glass of infusion, but don't fast. Yeah. I've, I've been drinking nettle. I've drank like Yay, two nettle. Yeah. Yeah. What did you say? I said, yay, nettle, for nettle. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, nettle's the best. (laughs) I make it by the, (laughs) I I make it by the gallon, and me and my husband drink it. All (laughs) right. Yay. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. Goodbye. Hey, we're down to 10 minutes until we get to talk to Sister Dandelion. How many people do we have questions with here, Rebecca? It looks like we have three, yeah, three callers. And oh, I am about, so yeah. sorry. I'm sure I'm not going to be able to do that, but I'll do my best. Let's go with the first one. Okay. The next caller is coming from the 845, and I see that there's two callers from the 845. You're the one with the 667 prefix. Hi. Right, let's you. jump right in see what we can get done in a quick way. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hey. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just had a question about, um, like, within the last week or so, I've had this kind of um, strange sensation where I think my ovary is, and it's kind of like a pulsating sensation. I wouldn't exactly call it a pain, but it's it's kind of abnormal. And I was just wondering, at what point do we decide to just, say uncle and go to the doctor or do we take care of this herbally and in a dietary sense because I don't like to just go to the doctor if, unless something is serious so I don't know how concerned someone should be with that type of symptom it's a fairly nebulous symptom mm-hmm. however that doesn't mean that you should ignore it when you have that sensation um are you getting the sense that your body is saying you must do something right now? 
I needed to learn about it because this has been going on for like on and off for like a week. So into the first and second day of it, I was like, I don't want to just run to the doctor. I want to learn what this is about because I hate to put it in a health practitioner's hands because they could tell me something devastating and scare me. <laughs> or something not Well, no, they won't tell you it's something devastating and scary. They will send you out for a scan. They will send you for a, a CAT scan with contrast dye, or they will send you for a sonogram, or they're not going to look at you and tell you anything because they have nothing to say. Yeah, so I wanted to get familiar. So do, do you want... Do you feel that you want or need to have a scan to actually be able to see what could be going on in your ovary? And if so, then, yeah, the doctor is the place to do that because we can't, you know, get those scans on our own. And Mm -hmm. if not, uh, then, again, is your ovary saying, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, something terrible is going on? Or is your ovary simply saying, I'm going through some changes. I think it's more the latter. I think maybe because it's I'm 50 years old and it's perimenopause or menopause, and I think there's yes, there's no such thing as perimenopause. If if you're saying that it's that it's there, then it is indeed menopause. And I think I think that you're right. I would definitely agree with you um, that your your ovaries are calling out to you. You might try this technique that Jean Houston had us use when we wanted to get in touch with some part of ourselves, and that is to take a notebook and with your dominant hand, start out by writing a praise of that part. Oh, dear glorious ovary, I love you. You are so wonderful and magnificent. And then with your non-dominant hand, you uh, write in the voice of the ovary. Oh, like automatic writing. Okay. Exactly. That's cool. All right? Okay. That sounds All good. Right. Yeah, because I think it's more more the latter. It's not something I want to rush to the ENT right away, but I do yeah. want to get to know it, but I don't want to wait forever either, so that sounds good. All right. Okay. Okay, and you can certainly call back anytime you want to. Green blessings. Thanks for your question. Thanks a lot. Have a great one. Thanks a lot. Have a great one. Okay, the next caller is coming from the 845 area code. The other 845. The other 845. Yes. Are you there in the 845? Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi, Susan. Um, I bought a a combo tincture for my dog who has since passed, and I just found it in the closet, so I started taking it uh, three or four days ago, and it's black walnut, olive leaf, and cayenne. Uh, It says on the bottle, it's for cardiovascular health, uh, digestive health, circulatory health, also to maintain blood sugar and cholesterol. But um, I, I guess my only concern after reading up on these herbs is the black walnut. It said not to let it touch your tongue or your lips. It could cause cancer. Is is that a bunch of BS? I, I will just say that I would never get anywhere near such a tincture. Um, I would either throw it in the trash 
or I would give it to someone I don't like very much. Really? Really? Is it is it because it's a combo or because of it's the black walnut or I I, sim- I simply would not use any of those herbs. Oh, okay. Well, I I started feeling pressure in my lower abdomen today. You know, some people tell me that this is unfair, and I understand what they're what they're getting at here. But Dr. Christopher was a great fan of cayenne for the heart. He died in a car accident. And not because of a direct injury from the car accident, but because because the car accident caused him to have a heart attack. And I personally believe it was because of his overuse of cayenne. I did feel a strong reaction in my heart the first time, the first two or three times I took it. It it, it felt like my heart was almost like... uh, Trying to slam itself out of your chest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've you've really confirmed what I thought. I thought these are suspicious uh, reactions, and I maybe maybe it's doing some good, but you know maybe I should be concerned. Okay. Hmm. All right. Very interesting. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for your question. Green blessings. Green blessings. Well, it says here we only have 44 seconds. Should we go straight to the interview, Susan? I I think we should just welcome Sister Dandelion, co-founder and trustee of the Church of Modern Witchcraft. Sister Dandelion is a poet and a priestess. She has been practicing witchcraft and reading the Tarot for 25 years. Sister Dandelion honors Zhuzhana Budapest, Starhawk, and Susan Weed as her witchcraft mentors and four sisters. Usually we're called four mothers, but that's okay. We can four sisters or four aunties. Uh, even though we're only three, we're still four. As a radical feminist, yay, radical feminist, Sister Dandelion has organized and collaborated with women on issues such as male violence, reproductive freedom, women's health, lesbian liberation, and the creation of woman-loving culture in the context of a woman-hating system. And in fact, I was just thinking the other day that um, we need to uh, revive a very early term um, that I came across um, when I was a radical lesbian feminist, and that was that we decided not even to use the word feminist because it was too feminine, and that we were femaleists. <laughs> Welcome, Sister Dandelion. Hello, can you hear me? We can. We're so glad you're here. Hello, Susan. Hi, Rebecca. Hey. Thanks for coming and being with us tonight. We're so excited to I'm have you. I'm so excited to be with you. Are you still there? Yes. Can you hear me? We just lost Sister Dandelion. Uh-oh. Are you there? Come back, come back. Hello. You can't hear her? Whoops. Okay, now I can, I can hear, hear her. her. Okay, good. Oh, I whoops, hear no. her <laughs> Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. Mercury retrograde. What are you going to do? No, I have heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sure that people want to know about the Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft. Yes. 
So um, the Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft um, is worldwide at this point. Um, we have groups of women in the U.S., also in Brazil, in the U.K., in Canada, and maybe elsewhere. Um, but those are the places we have, to our knowledge, where women have contacted us, coming together around this idea of our bodies being church and coming together to explicitly honor the traditions that, um, that come down to us through the mother line, through our female ancestry, to honor the sacred mysteries of being female and to affirm a woman-loving space. And I just want to say that my experience is that if you haven't ever been in a woman-loving space, it's hard to even understand what you're missing. Yeah. Yeah, and because of the deep conditioning that women are subjected to, um, what I have encountered is even when women have come together collectively and worked really hard to create a space that intentionally intentionally honors women, um, there's usually a fair amount of, um, I guess, dross that we have to get through of the way that misogyny is internalized. And um, that's part of the healing work, too. And, you know, we come together, and it can be really messy. And I think... Um, people are sometimes afraid of that messiness. They're afraid of what happens when we put everything on the table and when we're not trying to keep ourselves tied up and clean and polite and perfect, you know. Um, so that's, yeah, that's part of the healing that, that we're trying to create space for with the Pussy Church. The space to be imperfect, the space to feel all of our feelings, even the ones that our culture says are inappropriate for women, the space to be honest with each Mm. other, which is at the real core of sisterhood. Yes. Yeah, the ability to be in conflict and to know that that actually is generative as well. And that doesn't mean that we have to burn the whole house down, you know, like build new rooms in the house. Yes. This is where the talking stick comes in. This is Mm. where... um, commitment to consensus comes in yeah that we that we don't have to always give way to the strongest voice the loudest voice um or or what most people want sometimes it's the quietest woman who really should be the one who's the leader mhm and mm-hmm. when we give ourselves that that honesty and that space, then then that allows us 
to really open our hearts to that quiet voice because it opens to the quiet voices within us as well. Yes. How does this involve witchcraft? What does that mean to you? I love that question. So to me, and and what we're trying to do with the Pussy Church is to demystify the term of witchcraft because um, over the years I think it's been like really mystified and really kind of um, uh, it's been hung with a lot of like procedure and like the the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and, and the like you know I'm a third degree witch or I'm the whatever and so to me witchcraft is like it's natural to us and it's about tuning in and listening and following um, following what we feel called to do so to be more specific like when I came to witchcraft. I was a teenager, and all I knew was there was a lot of chaos happening in my childhood home. There's a lot of chaos happening internally because I'm a teenager. And somehow I found myself out staring at the moon, or I found that um, the one place where I could find calm was to go sit in the backyard with my back against a tree and just start sit and listen and be. And that's as simple as it started for me. Um, So when we talk about practicing witchcraft, we're talking about, it's kind of like how you say that herbal medicine is people's medicine. Witchcraft is our natural inheritance. And it's the ability to change consciousness at will, to to do magic through... um, physical gestures, through ritual, through honoring the sacred in everything, including the things that we don't normally think of as being alive in this culture, like honoring the sacredness of the stones and working with, working with those energies. And even just coming together in a circle and speaking an intention and having the women in the circle say, we witness and support you. And lighting a candle and howling at the moon, all of these things are ways that we start to tap into our deeper knowing and the ways that patriarchy has tried really hard to take away from us. I've been reading Max Dashu's book, um, The Witches and Pagans, Women in European Folk Religion from 700 to 1100. Have you seen that, Susan? Well, I know Max for a very, very long time and have seen most of her slideshows, but I haven't yet seen the book she's put out. Yeah. Like, finally did it. Yay, Max, that's true. Check it out. She's got a great coloring book and tons and tons of stuff. She does lots of online teachings. Max Dashu, D-A-S-H-U. She's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And her, her research is so... Um, voluminous, like cataloging all of this evidence for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of these women's ways that we come intuitively to, you know, like these things that women have been doing, like carrying around herbs in a little box tied to their waist and um, 
like the symbolism of the spinning wheel or the distaff and and the idea of the fate spinning our destiny. And, you know, at the Pussy Church and in the, the women that I've been working with around this stuff, it's like we hear these stories and we come across these artifacts and it's not like we're learning something new. We're remembering it. There's that, that instant, like, internal click of recognition. And I did a tarot reading about the Pussy Church before our interview tonight just to kind of get a sense of where we're headed and, and what is most needed in the world and what's the gift we offer. And what women need is to come together in these circles and to concentrate our attention and our intention so that we can flip the world. The world is ready to be flipped. Like the world as it is, is at the end of its cycle. And I see us as like all these women coming together in circles and it's almost like we're flipping these tables over. Like, Beautiful, beautiful vision. This is Susan Weed talking with Sister Dandelion. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to know more about what you do? Um, we have several ways. So um, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Um, and then we have as Sister, our website. As Sister Dandelion as PCMW, what would we look for? Um. You would just look for Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft. Okay, the whole thing. All of those. Now. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. I, we used to have a women's gathering space in Woodstock, and I was the publicity agent for it. And T. Kareen uh, came to speak, and I sent out a press release that she was coming to talk about her new book, the cunt coloring book. And oh my gosh, what a furor! Uh. <laughs> yes. Oh, I had no idea that people would be offended. I really didn't. So. <laughs> uh, wow. At the, of, at the Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft, our bodies are the church is your motto. This is very, very important because let's face it, one of the main thrusts of Christianity is the body is nasty. In fact, yeah. it's say that in many Eastern spiritual practices, the body is also seen as being worthless and that what we're mm-hmm. trying to do is get rid of the body and be somehow pure spiritual beings. So to link the body to spirituality is a really radical move. Tell us in more detail about that, if you would, Sister Dandelion. Yeah, well, I think um, are the way that we tap into everything. Our bodies are not only who we are, but it's also the instrument that leads us back to our source. And um, one of the reasons why we're really pushing for this right now at this particular time is because with the intensified focus um, culturally on the internet and online culture and what that's doing to the fabric of communities is people are becoming more and more and more disembodied. So what Christianity and 
Western civilization and all of those things started in terms of that dichotomy that you're talking about, where the body's evil and the mind is elevated and the spirit is clean and the body's dirty and all those things has really been ramped up by this um, almost like total migration onto the digital landscape so that people are actually living their lives on the internet as much as possible and inventing themselves as avatars on the internet. And um, what we've seen is that that is destroying the ability of people to have dialogue, to talk across difference when it's really easy to just carefully curate online. And if someone says something that you don't like or takes a position that you're opposed to, you just send a bunch of um, vitriol their way and torch them and, and they're dead to you. Um, and it's also taking people out of the physical world. So instead of being outside, people are outside and, and like taking in the birds and the what's happening with the plants around them and whatever, they're on their phones and they're um, completely separated from the physical reality. So there's that larger thing happening. And a huge part of that is this whole emphasis on I am who I identify as. So if I say I am, you know, this sex or that sex, then that's who I am. And if I say that I am a unicorn, then that's who I am. And this is really not a progressive move. This is taking us away from what's truly radical, which is to inhabit our bodies and to be fully realized and expansive within the bodies that we are. So it is, it is, a, it is yeah. a privilege. It's a privilege to be embodied. Yes. It's a gift to be embodied. You know, one of my early mentors was, was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and people that she'd worked with who had died uh, appeared, and I mean they appeared, not just that she said they were there, other people could see them. And this was their main message was, don't throw it away. You're in a body. Oh, my gosh. This is a priceless gift. Mm, yeah. And so your church really picks up on this theme and says, you are embodied. And the very details of your body mm. give rise to precious gifts for you. Yes. How wonder how wonderful that we can shape shift, how wonderful that we can you know, I have a friend with multiple sclerosis and she can talk to other people online with multiple sclerosis. She's pretty limited. She has to, you know, be lifted out of bed with a Hoya lift, you know, it's a big mm. deal if she gets out of her room twice a day. So hooray that she has online access to other people because her body, as she, you know, I once said to her, if my body acted like your body, I would just throw myself on the floor and have a fit. And she said, yes, but you wouldn't be able to get up. <laughs> yeah. And it just. So, your message, I think, is a very appropriate message. However, 
let me say that we don't have to damn anything in order to praise other things. I lived right. in the city. I lived in the city in the 60s, and you could always tell who the crazy people were because they were talking to themselves. And now I'm back in the city for most of the month of March, and I can't tell who the crazy people are anymore because everybody's talking to themselves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Right. So we can start from where we are, and if where we are is we're spending a lot of time on our phone or on screens, and the screen time for one- to three-year-olds has almost doubled in the past five years, mostly mm-hmm. TV, however, not, not devices, mostly TV, um, we can say, okay, that's fine, um, and what else can I do? We yeah. know that walking is good physical exercise, and walking outside in nature is even better exercise, and that's a place that most people can start to be in their body and to get some of this real juicy delight that you're talking about. And again, all honor to Starhawk and her charge of the goddess reminding us that all acts of pleasure and beauty are in praise of her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I hear this, you haven't said those words, but I hear it very, very much in what you are talking about. Is mm-hmm. that the Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft says pleasure and beauty comes from your body. Yes. And so how radical somebody, an act to, to come into a space and to unabashedly honor and worship our own bodies, our own female bodies, which are so reviled, objectified, targeted in this culture and to say this is beauty. This this is beauty. This is perfection. This is my vulva. These are my gray hairs. These are my breasts. This is my skin which has been wrinkled over a life well lived with much richness and tears and joy and sadness. Like this is the most exquisite thing. And to be able to come in to a space where that is recognized is, is just radical. It's so radical and amazing. So do I have to like fly to where you are to attend the church? No. So we do have circles that meet, and if you go onto our Facebook page, you can join our Facebook group if you're a female. Um, You can also go to our website to find out how to become an official member. And once you do that, we will um, open you up to our network so that you can find other women in your area who are holding circles. And we will also encourage and support women in starting their own circles, no matter at what point they find themselves on their own journey with witchcraft and building women's community. So we, our job is, as the trustees is to support women in forming circles, and we will provide all of the resources and support that, that we are able to. All right, excellent. So once again, we must give a nod to our electronic devices, which allow us to connect. Right. 
other to find those needles in the haystack and then to step into the real world and yeah. to create real world situations. <clears throat> but I think that, that we can't deny that our electronic connections really help us and really help in that way. And I, again, want to reiterate what you have said, that this is not about finding a group where everybody agrees with everybody else, because that's not community. Community is a group of people who may disagree about things, but nonetheless respect each other. Yeah, exactly right. We just had a beautiful circle here in Baltimore um, on Saturday honoring the vernal equinox and coming together to honor, you know, this time of the equinox where we're sort of straddling the light half of the year and the dark half of the year and all of all of what that represents within us as well, all of those contradictions and paradoxes and really kind of savoring the juiciness of that and from that place, like, making some very clear intentions and choices about what's the next step? What do I step toward? What do I step away from? And it's one thing to sit on our own and reflect on that and and do that um, kind of meditative work, but to do it in company with others, um, it was just exhilarating. And um, every time I walk away and I feel like I've, I've been recharged I just got an email from Mama Donna Hen, who is once again doing her egg balancing, her public egg balancing at the moment of Equinox Eggs Balance. It is the balance point, and she's out there publicly in New York City doing that. And that followed her St. Patrick's Day Um, email, which was to remind us that there were never any snakes in Ireland, that snakes is the term that was used for getting rid of the witches. Yep. Yep. I love that she's balancing that egg publicly. That's great. (laughs) Yes, and and everybody's invited to come and balance eggs with her. Hooray for the equinox. Equal day and equal night. Yeah. So precious. So important. Wow. What haven't I asked you that you want to talk about? Um, I would love to ask you about how you feel or what your um, perspective is on witchcraft in your own experience, in your own life. What does that mean to you? My understanding is that the word shaman comes from Siberia, and it means woman with drum. And Mm. that the European equivalent of that is witch. And Mm -hmm. again, you know, Max has enormous evidence about women and drums and how we have used that. And uh, so I decided, well, you know, I'm not Siberian, uh, although I certainly use the the term shaman. I, I come from European stock. Uh, you know, Russian and Finnish and Lithuanian and and um, Hungarian and from all states from Switzerland, you know, real mixed bag there. And so I ought to use the term witch and uh, as a woman of power. And, of yeah. course, it's immediately uh, 
tossed me into people asking me if I was a white witch or a black witch, uh, in which I had to give them a little mini lecture on racism. And to get out of this mini lecture on racism, because I, I don't know about other people, but it got kind of old to me, needed but old, I just sidestepped the issue and said, would say in answer to that question, I'm a green witch. Yeah. And and to, you know, really um, get people to stop and say, you're what? So that, so that as you say, there, you know, which is kind of like a Christmas tree that has all this ornaments hung on it. And being a green witch kind of shakes it loose so that we can see, hey, wait mm-hmm. a second, it's a tree. It's not the ornaments, it's a tree. It's oh. about women standing in their power. It's about women being rooted. It's about women raising their arms to the heavens and saying, here I stand and look how large I am. Yes. Yeah. Well, we are almost at the end of our time together, Sister Dandy Lyon. So tell people once again how they can best get in touch with you. Um, the best way, I think, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, it's really quick to connect with us there, and we have regular updates. Although, and that, as, and that would be Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft. Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft, the whole name. Um, And you can also go to our website, PussyChurchOfModernWitchcraft.com. And on the website, we have lots of information and resources. We have a blog. Um, We have a link where you can buy T-shirts and figure out how to become an official member and stay updated on um, the circles that are happening around well, if I knew oh, how yeah. to buy things online, I would definitely get a shirt that said Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft. I have never yet been able to crack how to buy anything online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, always, I always like to give my guests the last minute. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you, Sister Dandelion? As women, we are the root, we hold the root, and we nourish the root. As women, we hold the root, we are the root, and we nourish the root. Wise, deep, rich words for each one of us to take in and to really accept, mm. to really accept ourselves. As I'm talking to you, I'm getting very much this deep, deep level of acceptance that you have and that you offer other women. That, mm. um, as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used to say, I'm not okay, and you're not okay, and that's okay. I love it (laughs) thank you Sister Dandelion from the Pussy Church of Modern Witchcraft for being with us tonight thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients Mm. and a big hug and a kiss to you Rebecca thanks so much for helping to restore herbal medicine as people's medicine. Mm. Hooray for green blessings. 
Thank Good night. you. Love Bye. you. Good night. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Good night.